Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 245 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday night, November 1st, 2020. We have made it through Halloween. Hope everybody got lots of treats and very few tricks. We have a little bit of basketball schedule news to do. We've got some honors for some people around the Duke men's basketball program. The Duke football team has won a game a game in which they absolutely dominated their opponent. That is something we haven't said yet, at least this season. And we look ahead at the game that they have this coming weekend against the North Carolina Tar Heels. But before we get to all of that, I am your host this week, Sam Klein. I am coming to you from Boston. I am drinking this evening a a single hop mosaic New England IPA from Mighty Squirrel Brewing Company, which is in Waltham, Massachusetts, a town that whose name I'm probably not pronouncing the way that they pronounce it there with their accents, but I am doing my best. So good evening, gentlemen. I am here, as always, with Donald Wine in Washington, D.C. I know that he's home because I see the poster on his wall. Hello, Donald. Hello. Uh, and you said a lot of syllables when you were describing that beer, and I understood every single one of them. So that's terrific. It's a, it's a terrific beer. I've actually had it when I was in Boston. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's got a it's got a picture of a it's got a silhouette of a of a bearded man on it, which looks like me, except for the bearded man has hair. So that's uh, that's cool. Jason Evans is also here. He's in Atlanta. Jason, what's I'm not. By the way, in case you're wondering, I'm not drunk. I literally just cracked this thing open as we started recording. So so this is not one of those off the rails shows that we're having. But Jason Evans, how are you? I'm doing fine. You're drinking a beer. I got. Some a wonderful question from my wife as we finished dinner a short time ago. She said, "Hey, you want to make a cookie?" So I'm eating a cookie while you're uh, drinking a beer. I, I, neither That's one fantastic. Of you, neither one of you are married, so you don't know how great it is when your wife says, "Hey, honey, let's have dessert." It's a good thing. No, no, you don't understand. See, I have a lot of friends who are married who also make cookies for their friends. So just just earlier, I went on a walk with some of my best friends. I had a beer. Uh, it was a local beer, Sam. Uh, and then we had some cookies uh, on the porch while we socially distanced. So I could do all these things that you can do, except I can it do them snowed. by myself. It's It snowed here this week in, this weekend in Boston. It, was, it snowed on Friday. And so sitting out on the porch actually would have been very unpleasant because it was cold and there was snow everywhere and the snow turned to slush and now it's all melted and gone back into the earth. Thank God. Let's talk about Duke basketball things, shall we? Because we've got a lot of little things to cover, which seems to be the case basically every time the three of us get together these days. The biggest news, I think, for us is that the ACC Big Ten Challenge uh, matchups were announced this week. And it came out that Duke is going to be hosting Illinois, as I believe Jason Evans has predicted for a little bit here. Duke is going to be hosting the Fighting Illini in Cameron Indoor, which confirms that the whole non-conference schedule is going to be at home this year for Duke, with the exception of the Michigan State game, the the Champions Classic game. So Duke gets Illinois, a team that is projected to be one of the very best in the Big Ten this season. Donald, I'll come to you first. What do you think about this matchup? Obviously, we will talk more in depth about it in the week leading up to the game. But what's your initial impression of the way that Duke's schedule is rounding out here with the game against Illinois? It should be a solid matchup. I mean, you know, Jason 
was way ahead of everyone in, in kind of predicting this and calling this. Uh, and so it's good because the three of us have been able to prepare for them to say Duke versus Illinois. And, and so it feels great that we're able to say that. But I do think that it's a great matchup. One, I also think with the ACC Big Ten Challenge, it's always fun for me to see us play new teams. We always play Indiana. We always play Michigan State. We always play Michigan. We always play Wisconsin. We always, you know, Ohio State. It's cool to kind of, you know, I don't think we've played Illinois in quite a long time, maybe even a decade or, or longer when it comes to this challenge. So it's really good that we're able to see a new matchup because the new matchups are going to be something similar to what we face in the ace in in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. So if we see a Big Ten team down the line, it's not always going to be Michigan State, and it's it's great that we get to play them as well. It's a, it's a rivalry, you know, you know, kind of personal for me, uh, being from Michigan. But I do think playing Illinois is going to give us a new kind of look at a Big Ten team that we could see down the road, and something that we will also be able to challenge with. But also, I do like. Uh, I guess, you know, the fact that because of COVID and we're taking care of our, our, our team, you know, coach K earlier last week said, you know, that they're everyone's being safe with regards to the coronavirus pandemic and everyone's following doing the right things. It makes sense that almost all of our games with the exception of the champions classic will be in Cameron. Jason, I know you had predicted that this was going to be Duke's matchup. What do you think about it? Any, any specifics on Illinois that you think are interesting to highlight a month ahead of <laughs> Duke actually playing this game? Yeah, I'll give you a quick preview of what I'm going to tell you in a month's time when we go to talk about them. Uh, this is a bad matchup for Duke. This is a very, very experienced Illinois team. This is a roster that is loaded with juniors and seniors. They returned four of their top six players from a year ago, including athletic slasher Ayo Dasunmu. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. I will work on that. But that dude has NBA written all over him. A lot of folks thought he would go in the NBA draft. He's 6'6" a really good athlete um, gets to the rim and gets his shot uh, pretty, pretty easily against the kind of uh, competition he'll face in college. I, I definitely foresee him being matched up with Wendell Moore and, and that's going to be a really tough matchup for Wendell. Um, and, and their other really good player is seven foot center, uh, Kofi Cockburn, um, who is surprisingly nimble for his size. He's seven feet and he's around 300 pounds. This guy is a load. Um, both of these guys are consi considered the NBA draft and are considered NBA prospects. Um, this is a Illini team that is old and also really, really talented. They will absolutely be in everyone's top 10 in the preseason. It's going to be a very tough matchup for Duke um, and, and, and a, great, a great matchup for us. I, you know, I predicted this, this would be the team we'd face because I said there are a lot of sort of stories there, but also because it sort of makes sense. Like Donald was saying, you want to – a team like Duke that everyone sort of wants to play, that everyone wants to measure themselves up against, you want to spread them around a bit. And uh, we have not played the Illinois in a long time. Illinois hasn't been this good in a long time. We haven't played them because they're usually sort of a middle or lower tier Big Ten team. you got to be in the top tier to play Duke. And they are most assuredly back in the top tier now. And it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. You know, guys, by the way, uh, I, I actually think as good a matchup as that is, I think the matchup that's the best matchup in the entire ACC Big Ten Challenge is North Carolina traveling to play at Iowa. And uh, Garrison Brooks against Luca Garza. I mean, those are two guys who are probably uh, – Garza certainly is going to be a preseason probably player of the year candidate, if not the consensus preseason player of the year. 
Garrison Brooks, probably ACC preseason player of the year, or certainly in contention for that, and a potential All-American. That is a huge matchup. The ACC Big Ten Challenge has a number of really interesting ones. Um, and Duke, Illinois, and North Carolina, Iowa are the two sort of highest profile ones, in my opinion. Look, Jason, that's a great matchup. I think it's going to be a nice one. I also think Michigan State, Virginia is going to be good. But how about, I mean, this is my go-to matchup. What about Syracuse versus Rutgers? Now, let me tell you, it has old Big East written all over it. But also, when it comes to Syracuse, Syracuse came to the to the ACC because they wanted to play the big-time matchups. They want to be considered one of the big-time teams. And they're playing Rutgers. I know Rutgers was going to make the NCAA tournament last year if we had one, but they're playing Rutgers. So I, I, I'm telling you, it, those sort of things are, are probably not what Jim Beheim signed up for. I will also say this. The ACC, I thought, missed a prime opportunity, prime opportunity to pair Notre Dame and Michigan, uh, especially since they couldn't have that in football this year because of the COVID climate. They could have had that in basketball, and I'm telling you, that would have been a really good game. Uh, but I do also think that Notre Dame, Ohio State will also be a pretty decent matchup. Notre Dame isn't Notre Dame isn't good enough to play Michigan in this matchup. Notre Dame's bottom of the ACC, um, and I mean we're we're not going to get into our full ACC previews yet. Uh, we'll be doing that in a couple of weeks. But Michigan is you know mid to top tier of the of the Big Ten. There, there's no way they were going to play a Notre Dame. You know they they try and space these things around. By the way. You mentioned this is exactly, well, I'm sorry. This is exactly why Michigan should have played Notre Dame because, you know, for me, Michigan Notre Dame is a big time matchup. And I always want to see Michigan pummel Notre Dame. I don't care that Notre Dame's the ACC in football this year. That's great. They joined a conference. Congratulations. They should have lost to Michigan. Instead, I have to, you know, turn that game off because of playing Ohio State, another team that I severely hate. So I was going to say really quickly, I understand, Donald, and your personal uh, biases are, are, are certainly worth considering and talking about. But I did want to, you mentioned Syracuse. I want to point out something. When we get to our ACC preview, you know, Syracuse has not finished in the top six in the ACC in like a half decade or more. Uh, like Syracuse is this this incredibly high profile program that's really not that good anymore. <laughs> but but that's a preview. Again, a couple of weeks down the road, we'll be talking about the whole ACC. Generally, I'm very excited to see the ACC Big Ten Challenge this year. I think that both conferences have have a lot of strong teams, and it's going to be one of the few opportunities we get at one point in the season to really get a snapshot between what are likely the two best conferences again in college basketball. So thank you guys for getting a little bit into to some of the more exciting matchups. I, like Jason said, we'll we'll talk about this more down the line, and certainly the week of the challenge We'll, we'll take more of a look at, at all the games that are going on, or at least all the high-profile ones. I did want to mention a couple other basketball news of note. The first is an award. Well, they're, they're, they're both honors that, that Duke coaches have received this week. One was for head coach Mike Krzyzewski, and I'll just read from the press conference or from the, from the press release here, which uh, came from Duke Sports Information. Make-A-Wish America, in conjunction with the Make-A-Wish chapter in Eastern North Carolina, has presented the 2020 Chris Grecious Award to Duke men's basketball coach Mike Krzyzewski and the Duke men's basketball program, recognizing the exceptional wish-granting support exemplified by Coach K and the team in helping to create life-changing wish experiences for children fighting critical illness. So Coach K and the Duke program as a whole uh, receiving a huge honor from the Make-A-Wish program, uh, which which they've been very actively involved in, and they go on to cite a number of other uh, celebrities and athletes and and folks in that world who have been 
uh, who, who have been important in that space. Jason, give me some commentary on on Coach K getting the getting this big honor from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, it's worth noting it wasn't Coach K. It wasn't specifically Coach K. It was Coach K and the Duke men's basketball program. And and the Make-A-Wish Foundation said that this is the first time, this this special award, the, the Chris Gracious Award that you mentioned, which is named for a, a young man who had his wish granted and, and he unfortunately died shortly thereafter. And and one of the ways of honoring him is they they look for celebrities. They look for high profile folks who grant wishes that they can honor, um, uh, you know, as a way of remembering, you know, this remarkable young man. But in any event, they say that the the Duke men's basketball team is the first college team to ever win this award, which I think is a, a really interesting and really wonderful thing to, to, to note about Duke. Uh, they, they point out that like, the Green Bay Packers, the New York Yankees, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, Adam Sandler, Stephen, uh, Stephen Curry have all won this award in the past, but the Blue Devils are the first collegiate program to win it. And, it, and it's really a wonderful statement about you know, the way that Duke has, um, has put themselves out there to create these once-in-a-lifetime moments for Make-A-Wish kids. Uh, they, they point out that Duke has had nine different Make-A-Wish Wishes granted, I guess you would say, since 2012, so more than one a year. And I'm sure we all remember just last year for the Duke Carolina game, they they did it with the, this young man, um, Antonio Sellers, who they essentially made part of the team for several days as part of his wish. And it was, you know, the, the, the way the team reacts to these kind of things, the way the coaching staff does, the way the whole fan base does is is a really special, wonderful thing. And I'm I'm thrilled that they're being recognized and and honored for for the way they've made a difference in in these young lives that that they are impacting it's 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 a great honor and one we should be incredibly proud of so in addition i I said that coach k wasn't the only one honored this week you know along with the entire program but we got news of another great award for a member of the staff director of basketball operations nolan smith was honored by the news and observer as the tar heel of the month now Everyone calm down for a second. The Tar Heel of the Month just refers to their their sort of Citizen of the Month award for for people in the triangle. And it doesn't you don't have to be a, a UNC alum or anything to, to win this award. So Nolan, for some reason, is the Tar Heel of the Month. Uh, that's what they call it. But he's being honored for for his various contributions to the triangle community here over the last few months. He's obviously been an, an outspoken member of the Duke community and the Durham community a lot, you know, for all of the social justice movement that's been going on the last few months. He's been he's been well out front organizing events on campus and, and around town. If you are in Durham, if you're in the Triangle, you've probably been aware of Nolan Smith being at, at the forefront of the movement right now. So Donald, give me your impression of this i think we're all really proud of nolan and coach k had some had some really nice words about him uh, as it related to this award about how much nolan is sort of the the spiritual leader of, of of the duke campus and 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 duke's big linkage to the rest of the durham community is that right yeah well to say first of all to say that we're proud of him is really an understatement. I don't think we could stress enough how proud we are of friend of the podcast, Nolan Smith, for this award and really a well-deserved honor that he has received. I, I do like that. We'll start with, you, you mentioned Coach K in the press conference last week. He did give the Raleigh News Observer a little bit of, of, of trash talk. He said, yo, we can't we can't have him be the Tar Heel of the Month. We need to change the name of the award. Like this, this can't happen to a Duke guy. Uh, I mean, but- how can... <laughs> What what do all the what do all the NC State alums think? It's not like NC State 
you know, like there's NC State alums all over the triangle, perhaps right. even more prominently than there are UNC. Yeah, what, what about Wake? What here? about Wake Forest or or East Carolina? All right, well, that, we don't have to get so. There are tons of them. Let's not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, Coach K, and, and I, I don't know if this is a direct quote, paraphrasing, apologize if it's not a direct quote, but he basically said, whatever it is, no one has it. And I, I totally agree. It's one of those things where no one has stepped up so much over the summer in, a, in an environment that it's very hard to do so. It's very hard to speak up and speak out. And not everyone has that moxie to not only speak up and speak out, but to lead. By example, to lead citizens and, and really control the dialogue and direct it towards the change that we seek, and, and no one doing that is really it, it's beyond impressive. It's because of the moxie that he possesses. It's because of the strength that he has. It's because of the you know just everything inside of him that says I have to say something. I have to be heard. And I need my people to be heard. He's been doing that all summer long. He's been a guy that you know even even before the social justice movement kind of took flight, he's been a guy that's really spoken up and spoken out against injustices. So and he's continued to do that to this day. So the fact that he's only getting Tar Heel of the month, when I say, it, you know, being proud is just an understatement. Like he should be Tar Heel of the year. He should be Wolfpack of the year. He should be Blue Devil of the year. The man has it all. And, and I'm really, I'm really excited that he is at least being honored uh, by a local newspaper, but really, this honor should be something that should be spread far and wide. You know, at his press conference earlier this week, Coach K said that Nolan is the Pied Piper of the Brotherhood, that when the Brotherhood puts things together to do collectively, Nolan is almost always the guy who's organizing it and leading them and, and taking them in whatever direction they go. And we know how important that Brotherhood brand is. We know how important that Brotherhood is to all the players who who are a part of it. And, and, and it's clear that Nolan is one of the, if not the strongest voices in it. Um, he, he's had an incredible past several months while most of us have been, um, you know, hanging out mostly in our homes, hiding away from, from the pandemic. He's been out organizing rallies on campus. He's been out organizing peaceful protests, um, in, in Durham. Um, he won the George HW Bush point of light inspiration award a, a few weeks ago. We, we mentioned that I think on the podcast, uh, this is a guy who, Nothing stops him from putting himself in front of people. And by the way, I want to point out when we spoke to John Shire a few days ago, one of the things John Shire talked about was that people like to call Nolan the people's champ. And John doesn't like that. He's like, I don't want to give him too big a head. I should note that when Coach K was asked about Nolan, Coach K called him the people's champ. He is the people's champ. He deserves all these accolades. And, uh, you know, like Coach K said, he has it. His future is unbelievably bright. And I should add that we had a discussion, what was it, last week about who was our greatest Blue Devil of all time. And I know we talked about Christian Leitner and Grant Hill and Shane Battier. Those are perhaps the greatest Blue Devils of all time. If you ask me who's my favorite Blue Devil of all time, it's Nolan Smith. And, you know, between his contributions on the court, having having met the guy and known the guy in person and, and the time he spent on this show. And then of course, all the time that he's spent in Durham and part of the Duke program since he graduated, I, I, I dare you to find somebody who's, who's meant more to the Duke community over the last 10, 12 years that, than Nolan Smith has. He's been, he's been sort of a, a spiritual focal point for, for this whole program during his time at, at Duke. And I will say this, uh, I know 
the sky is the limit for him when it comes to his career, his coaching career, when he, when he leaves the director of basketball operations title behind and gets into assistant coaching or coaching or whatever, that is coming very quick for him. I'm very sure. But I, the only thing I, I want to be selfish about with him is that I hope that we see him roaming the halls of the Schwartz Butters building and Cameron Indoor Stadium for as long as we possibly can, because him being a part of this program is one of the guiding lights that this program has needed and and ha- and, and deserved to have uh, over the past decade. I, I really hope that continues as long as possible, but I also know that he's going to be able to spread his wings and fly one day, and I will be his biggest supporter when that happens. All right, so enough about basketball. We are going to talk a little bit about Duke's big win against UNC Charlotte this past weekend in football. We're also going to do a quick preview of Duke's game against UNC, the regular UNC, right after that. But we, before we get to that, we are going to take a very quick break. So as we mentioned before the break, Duke got its second football victory of the season this past weekend. They beat Charlotte. You guys told me during the break that they're not called UNC Charlotte anymore. They're just called Charlotte. Whatever, man. They're a UNC campus. They happen to be in Charlotte. I can call them UNC Charlotte. It feels better to say that Duke beat UNC because let's be real. They're probably not. The Blue Devils are probably not going to beat the Tar Heels this weekend in football. So give me something to be happy about. Duke beat Charlotte going away. The final score was 53-19. to It looked like a 53-19 to game. Duke was able to get out to a very early lead and, and sort of never looked back. Um, the offense seemed to be clicking. Everything was going right for Duke in this game. So, Donald, is there anything that we learned that we think is useful to take away from this game that we can then apply forward to Duke's remaining schedule? I know we talked about how the second half of the season here for Duke might be a little softer. So what what do we know now that we didn't know last week going into the bye? Our special teams can turn it on when when things get get cool. And I, I like that our special teams was responsible for a lot of the action, especially early on with a couple of block punts. Uh, you know, the, those kind of plays really energize your team. So I, I like that part. If special teams can show up on Saturday, you know, UNC is not good at special teams. We we had some we had some great kicks, we had some great block punts, and even some returns that were pretty nice. So that really helps spark a team. Switching to offense, the running game was on again. We we saw that against Syracuse, but now and we've missed that for a couple of weeks. They came back, you know, Mateo and uh, Mateo Durant and uh, and Deion Jackson both over 100 yards. That's what you want to see. We've been talking about the running game all year. I, I think that's the one key to our offense because it gives our quarterbacks time to throw the ball. And if our running backs can be what they were this week against UNC, that is going to help our offense as well. And then on defense. Yo, the defensive end, man, like had a special game. I mean, Demi and Chris Rum both were going off, and it seemed like every single play was theirs to make, or they would just decide who on our who on our defense was going to make the play instead of them. So I, I re- like those sort of things are what I like to see from this team. And because we had the momentum, we never relinquished it. We kept the we kept the pedal to the gas. We kept going. That's what you need. You can't let up because against UNC, we cannot let up against them. They're they're a really good team. 
I don't like them, but they're really good. And I think that they've lost to some teams that they shouldn't lose to because the other teams have the momentum and they kept going at them and chipping away until they won. That's what we need to do against UNC because if we can keep doing what we did this week and build on it, we have a chance to beat them next weekend. All right, so I want to look ahead to UNC then. And Jason Evans, I'll send it to you to comment maybe on, on stuff you saw in the Charlotte game, but but I want a quick preview of the game against the Tar Heels this weekend. UNC was has been ranked high this year. They, they've I think they've mostly been in the poll for the entire season. They have, have got some good wins, although the last couple of weeks they've faltered. They, they're only one and two in their last three games. They're coming off... A, a, a kind of tough stretch of their schedule. They haven't had a bye in, in, in over a month. And and things generally look good for the Tar Heels despite the recent slip-ups, or, or maybe you're going to tell me otherwise. No, no, things look good for the Heels. I mean, yes, they've had some slip-ups that, that obviously, if you're a Tar Heel fan, give you some causes of concern. But, but this looks like a really good UNC team, probably the best one we've seen in half a decade or so, if not longer than that. They are outstanding on offense. Um, this Carolina team, uh, there was an article I read over the weekend that pointed out they average seven and a half yards per play on the season. That's a lot. In fact, that's the most of any team in Carolina history. Now, season's only halfway over. We don't know that they'll continue that for the rest of the year. Boy, we hope they won't. But seven and a half yards per play through half of the season is really, really impressive. They have scored at least 26 points in every game they've played thus far this season. And they average, ready for this, they average 38.3 points per game this year. They're going to put points on the board. Duke is going to have to figure out how to keep up with them. And the key to all of this is Sam Howell, their sophomore quarterback. He is just halfway through his sophomore season. He already has 52 career touchdown passes. It is an absolute given that this guy is going to leave Carolina in a year or two as the, uh, the as the leading touchdown passer in Carolina history, and uh, and and he he may threaten some some serious ACC records in terms of career touchdowns, career yards, and things like that. Dude is a monster. Um, the the Tar Heels average more than 530 yards per game more than 300 yards through the air, more than 200 yards on the ground every single game. This is a really, really good offensive team. But Donald teased it out. They, you, can, you can give them problems on special teams. Carolina fans probably break out in a cold sweat every time that either team lines up for a punt. Carolina's had two punt returns fumbled this year, two muffed punts. Carolina had a punt blocked this year. I mean, those plays are game changers. And just this past week, Virginia was about to pump the ball back to Carolina with about two minutes left in the game in a three-point game. Carolina was going to have the ball with a chance to win the game or at least tie it. And Virginia did a fake punt that succeeded. And that's why Virginia beat Carolina on a fake punt. So special teams has got to be a place that you take advantage of Carolina because they are. They've had some bad things happen on special teams. Look, with Duke, we, we've seen it all year. You can't make mistakes. This team cannot be turning the ball over the way we have. We can't look against against Charlotte. We had way too many silly kind of like offside penalties and stuff. We were giving care. We were giving Charlotte, um, you know, first and short, second and short kind of situations because of penalties. We gave them a first first down with penalties several times. We cannot make mistakes against Carolina to have any chance in this game. We're going to have to put up a lot of points to keep up with the heels as good as our defense is 
Donald pointed it out. A number of people have mentioned this defensive line may be the best Duke defensive line we've we've seen, you know, in decades. As good as that is, Carolina is going to get their points. Sam Howell is going to find his receivers. They are going to score. We have to find ways to keep up with them. It's a tall order. This is the toughest game left in our schedule by far. But here's the thing. Here's what I want to see us do. Go right at them. Use everything that we have. Because luckily for us, I know the first six weeks were just terrible when it comes to uh, you know the fact that we lost our bye week because of COVID, switching games around. But now we get that bye week back after this game. So I want to be able to go right at them, use everything we have, pour everything into keep getting that victory bell. Because once that happens, then we can take a break. We got another you know week off, and then we can recharge for the last stretch of the season. But UNC is going to throw everything at us. We should just return the favor because I don't care if they're tired, and I don't care if we have these things at the end. Because at the end of the game, we get a week's rest. So I want to see us go right at him, take it to him, don't let up, and let's see if we can beat them. And, and, you know, one thing to look out for that I think is really, really interesting. After having a bye, Duke debuted something new against Charlotte. I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but Duke was different on offense than we have been in the past against Charlotte. We, we went to a hurry-up offense. There, there was almost no – I'm trying to recall. There was like no huddles um, pretty much the entire game for Duke. Uh it resulted in the time of possession being incredibly skewed. Duke only had the ball for 17 minutes while Charlotte had it for 42, 43 minutes in this game. But that was because th- there was like maybe 10 seconds between each play when Duke had the ball. We we clearly went hurry up. It was a new thing for Duke. I don't, you know, it feels like something that Cutcliffe put in when we had the bye week. It's going to be really interesting to see if we're able to use that to keep Carolina on their heels, maybe not let them substitute, you know, bring in, bring in new players um, uh, because there won't be as much time for them to get everything set. It's an interesting wrinkle from Cutcliffe, and I think a response to the fact that Duke has struggled somewhat on offense, maybe by speeding things up, things get a little bit easier for us. I, I don't know, it, it, you know, but, but I was very intrigued at that fact in the Charlotte game that we tried this and I'll be interested in seeing if we do it again against Carolina this coming week. Jason, I think your point about Duke having to score a lot of points in this game is prescient. Look at some of the scores that that UNC has put up all through this season. It is going to hopefully be an, an offense versus offense night. Hopefully Duke can get a turnover or two against that balanced UNC offense so that they can kind of turn the tide in their favor because because UNC is is pretty relentless. This team has been very, they, they are good and they have been good for the most part. So Duke can't afford to make a lot of mistakes in this game as they've done in some other, um, in some other games this season. All right, guys. So before we get out of here, we did get a very fun email this week from podcast listener, Andrea Martin, who tells us that she has been listening to the podcast basically the entire time that we've been on the air. So thank you very much, Andrea, for that. And I'll I'll read from her. She says, I have a small request from you. Next week, I am getting married, and my fiancé is a Kentucky graduate and diehard UK fan. He's the best guy in the world, but we agree to disagree on college basketball. The two of us will probably be on our deathbeds bickering about who has a better team. For context, yeah, well, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll read the whole thing. 
For context, our entire wedding is based off of the colors royal blue and white. I consider this to be Duke blue, while he considers it to be Kentucky blue. As a surprise, I asked our DJ to play Cascadas every time we touched when we're introduced as husband and wife at our wedding ceremony. Andrea, I love that. She says, I've heard a lot of talk about how UK players owned the NBA finals. But once we say our vows and things are official, I think it will be a great time for me to make my best case ever for why Duke is in fact the number one program and he'll be stuck with the truth forever. So I'd like to know your top reasons why Duke is superior to UK. He always pulls out that we have eight championships and I need a solid comeback to that. All right, guys. And by the way, Andrea mentions that she graduated from uh, one of the graduate programs at Duke in 2011. So first I have to say shout out to the Duke class of 2011, the best class at, at, at Duke as far as I'm concerned. But I do want to answer her question. So what are the best reasons that we can throw out there for why Duke is definitely better than Kentucky. Donald, I'll, I'll send it to you first. What do you think is our, our best piece of advice for Andrea? First of all, congratulations to Andrea and your fiance. It's true. Love can conquer hate. Uh, when it comes to things like this, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think I could marry a Kentucky grad, but you know, I, you must love him really much. Uh, so it's really bad for him to be uh, someone you're going to walk down the aisle with and have to bicker about this for life. So for, but First of all, congratulations. Second of all, let's put it this way. He if he brings up the eight championships thing, just just mention one name, Robert Ory. Robert Ory has seven championships, but ain't nobody saying he's better than Jordan. We'll just put it out there like that. Also, we have guys that not only can win in the NBA, they can win in college. A lot of I mean, yeah, they have eight championships. When's the last time they had one? 2012? We've had one since then too. I mean, think about this. You have those guys that are they're winning in college, they're winning the NBA. And really, you can talk about Bam and Hero all you want. They ha- they played very well in the finals, but they didn't win. You know who did win? Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook got two rings. So this these things are things you can use against them. But really, and I'm not married. I'm going to very, very quickly toss it to Jason. But I do hear, Jason, that the Trump, the, the, the thing that can you can use over anything is happy wife, happy life. If he wants to be happy, He's going to have to start supporting some Duke Blue Devils. You know what I mean? Oh, Donald, that is so correct. This should not be a debate between a husband and wife because the wife always wins. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. See, that is confirmation. That is the proper response. One thing I would point out is that, um, yeah, okay, eight championships. If you want to go back in history to before when any of us were born. But if you want to take modern history, if you want to take like, like Coach K's record against Kentucky, He's six and two against them. So basically in the modern college basketball era, Duke owns Kentucky. It's not even close. Six and two against them. In fact, I think if you go all the way back to like 1979, Duke is eight and two against Kentucky. Uh, So one-on-one, head-to-head, we basically beat them virtually every time. Uh, And who can forget the last time we played Kentucky? Oh, it was November 6th of 2018. And we beat them 118 to 84 as Zion Williamson was like passing the ball between his legs to RJ Barrett for slam dunks. It was one of the most embarrassing nationally televised kickoff games that has ever been seen where Duke absolutely owned and destroyed Kentucky. Uh, Look, I'm not interested in this NBA stuff. I mean, Hey, it's nice that Kentucky has some guys who are playing well in the NBA. Um, I, I, I don't know how that matters at all in any of this. And, and if it does, go ahead and remind him that Jason Tatum is probably better than just about anybody that Kentucky has in the NBA right now um, with, with more Duke guys to come. But to me, 
the biggest thing that to, to say that proves that Duke is better than Kentucky is that in the greatest game ever played, Duke won and Kentucky lost. 104 to 103. 1992 in Philadelphia. I was there in the front row. That is all you need to say. 104 to 103, Christian Leitner stomping, stomping, stomping all over Kentucky. Period. End of story. Game over. Duke better than Kentucky. Jason, I was going to take an example from specifically from that game, and I was going I was going to give more of a piece of advice to Andrea, which is that at your wedding, if you feel like you're going to be one of those really happy people who's just so overjoyed by the moment and has a smile on your face, go ahead and write Leitner on the back of the dress, and you can just be running around with your hands above your head like you're celebrating at the end of the game. Now, if you're more of a if you're more of a crier, and I personally, and I. I'm more of a crier. If you're more of a crier, go ahead and write T. Hill on the back of your jersey. Put your hands behind your head and just act like Thomas Hill at the end of the 1992 East Regional and just be crying, walking around with your hands I on your head it. for the whole night. I love it. That'll oh, get Sam, them, that that'll is get beautiful, the, Sam. <laughs> that'll get the Kentucky fans, that'll get them really riled up because nothing really angers them quite like mentioning 1992. Look, they've got more championships had more guys who were stars in the NBA Finals. Who cares? We still won that game, right? Look, look, there's also one thing that you absolutely must do. I know you're doing, uh, you, you told us you're doing a safe uh, COVID, you know, you know, social distance wedding, and that's great. If you're tossing the bouquet to the, you know, four or five people that are in attendance, whatever, whatever they may be, you have to toss it like G Hill. Whoever catches it has to catch it like Leitner. And then honestly, they can turn to do the fadeaway if they want to, is their bouquet at that point. Uh, Sam, that is so brilliant. I, I dearly hope that, that Andrea sends us a photo of her wedding dress with, with Leitner stitched on the back. That would be so beautiful. I think, look, I, 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 I love Christian Leitner. Crying Thomas Hill is, is my favorite image of, of the end of that game. Absolutely. So if you can get a, a crying Thomas Hill style photo, man, that would be, that would be really amazing. But of course, our, our most important thing is to wish you congratulations thank you for the email and and very much congratulations on on your upcoming wedding that sounds wonderful and and we are excited to hear about all of the stupid arguments that you have with your husband going forward as we mention every time on this program thoughts for us you can leave us a review anywhere that reviews are taken for podcasts if you leave us a five-star review. Maybe Jason Evans will read it out on the program. You can also, of course, email us at dbrpodcast at gmail.com, as Andrea did, and maybe we will talk about your email on the show. But uh, for Donald Wine and for Jason Evans, I am Sam Klein. I think this has been a, a very nice and tidy episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It has been episode 245. We will talk to you perhaps sometime later this week. Perhaps we'll talk to you next week. We're not sure. There's going to be a lot of news this week that doesn't pertain to basketball that may slow us down. But until then, we are the Duke Basketball Report podcast, and the Duke band will now take us home.